This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Perfect. Okay, now we're on. Okay, so welcome everybody. Welcome all our Torah Anytime viewers. Um, hope I have mic check. Hope I have audio. Hope I have video. It looks like it is. Okay, let's, let's begin. So, welcome back, first of all, everybody. Um, everyone is invited to join us. All women are invited to join us at 1601 Quentin Road at Thursdays at 8 p.m. Women only, you said. So, okay, so today... We're going to speak about the four exiles. And, you know, it's crazy. Like, the, what I was thinking about speaking about tonight was so many different topics I went through. And that's why I, I didn't send you the topic until, like, what was it last night or something like that? Like, last night, I was going through so many different things. I was going to speak about Belashit, and then I was speaking about Chava, and then I was going to speak about Parnassah, and then I was going to speak, I was, like, so many different things. At the end, we uh, decided to, by we, I mean me, um, um, and my multiple personalities, uh, to speak about this, uh, this topic. And hopefully you'll soon see, you'll soon see why. Okay, so, we're speaking about the the four exiles. Now, the four exiles, we have to understand, when you speak about exile, what does it mean to be an exile? What is the exile mentality? So, if you have an artist, and this artist, it's... It, it's life purpose. You know, how, like some people have like a desire, like this is their this is their main focus, and that's that's to be an artist. But yet, what they're focusing on maybe in life is they're a lawyer, a doctor, an accountant. There may be many different other professions, but really, what they really want to do is is to draw or any other form of artistry. Is that a word? It is now. Okay, so it is. Okay, so uh, they they want to, to express their artistic values, but they can't. Those type of people which is pretty much all of us, is, is in a certain way they're in a certain type of, of exile. When, if, if that person were to be the most happiest, that is doing what they are, like, prone to do, what they have the most talent to do, what they enjoy to do. Do you follow where I'm going with this so far? So, when the Jewish people left Egypt, they were still in a state of, of exile. In order to understand this, so, if let's say you have, does anybody here know of a soldier? Personally? Okay, when a soldier leaves the army, there's still the mentality is still a soldier, and it stays with them for a long time. I have worked. Um, I was also raised by a. Uh, you can start with that. With uh, you know, my father was in the Israeli mil- Israeli uh, military, so in, in the IDF. So like I and but I've also worked with people in that mentality. The mentality sticks with you forever. There's like a there's like a, a you're a soldier mentality. You have let's say somebody who is an addict in anything. It could be in drugs, in uh, ga- you know gambling, it could be a woman. It doesn't matter what it is. An addict in anything, that that mentality. Even if they stop doing the bad or they leave the situation, you know, aka the army, they still have that type of, that type of, of mentality. If you have somebody who's a thief, who who just what is it called? A kleptomaniac? What is it called? Somebody who can't stop? Kleptomaniac. So you have somebody with that mentality. That was a, that is a disease. But let's say you have somebody with with a mentality that's always stealing. Even if they are not stealing right now, and even if they're not currently in that situation, they still have that mentality. When the person leaves or stops doing whatever they were doing, it doesn't mean that they don't have the mentality. Their thought process is still in that. And I've spoken to many people in in certain you know addiction circles that they stop doing the bad, but yet they're Mindset is still on it. That they're thinking about it nonstop. They want to do it nonstop. They still have the mentality of that addict. They just happen to be not being actively using uh, or doing the you know the the addiction that they have to. So when the Jewish people left Egypt, left Mitzrayim, they still had a slave mentality, and this is why they wanted to go back at, at a certain point. They wanted to go back to that you know back to Egypt. So well, what, whatever it is, doesn't matter what. They wanted to go back. To, we're not going to get into the whole uh, you know uh, you know uh, sugya of it, but. When did they really get free? 50 days later. 
At High Sinai, when they got the Torah, that is when they became free. That is when they became free. Now, we have to understand that the Torah is a set of laws. The Torah is, is in fact, it's restrictive. How can you say that this is something that will be, that will bring you freedom? If anything, it will bring you something that's more, more, uh, you know, refraining from, from, uh, you know, from freedom. So, when we look at human nature, human natures are, we're full of desires. And some desires are positive, some desires are negative, some desires are positive, but there's a limit to it. Some desires are negative, but also depending on the limit that when you go to. Here's an example is, is food. So, food is important. It's healthy, depending on what you eat in general. It's healthy. You need it for nutrition. But if you eat too much, that's when it becomes really, really bad. In fact, there are so many diseases that are associated with foods. There are opinions that say that why people used to live so long in the olden days, I'm talking about olden, olden, olden days, prior flood, is because of certain things, obviously because of that's what God wanted, but also because of the different types of diets that they had. But nowadays, if you eat excessively, it could lead to so many problems. It could lead to heart disease, it could lead to hypertension, it could lead to uh, kidney disease, it could lead to uh, sleep apnea. Anybody know what that is? It's when you stop breathing at night, you have to wear, a, you know, one of those masks. Or <sighs> feel bad whoever has to sleep with somebody, you know, you know, next to that. You literally sit sounding there like you're going in outer space and be like, Houston, we're having problems. But it's good white noise. In any case, you have there's there's a, there's a multitude of problems. You have diabetes that that could you know associated with you know with these things. There's a multitude of problems that can come from excessive eating. Now, I just got to give like a you know a blanket statement. Doesn't mean that if you know somebody that has one of the diseases, be like, well, next time put the fork down and stop being such a slob, and then you won't have. We don't know all the reasons, but these are reasons that scientists tell us, the, the medical world field tell us that it can lead to these types of of situations. You have people, for example, that are, it's more like the male gender, I guess, but they're, you know, they, they go, the, uh, lots of relationships. That's the nicest way I could just put it. You know, they go for lots and lots and lots of relationships. But really what they're, what they're losing at is that they can't have that one meaningful relationship. That one important relationship they can't have because they're obsessed with so many other relationships that they're in, in process or were involved in, you know, previously. And, I've dealt with people in this type of situation where they, they, you know, they, they, they're so exhausted. They're so, they're, they're so like, like already done from it, but they can't stop themselves because they're in this mindset of this is where they are. They cannot leave it. They're not really free from it. You have people in, you know, the, in a little bit of a different angle that are obsessed with money. Obsessed, obsessed with money. But they get to such a level of obsession that they can't enjoy their money. They're, uh, they're very stingy with their money. They can't buy themselves nice things. They can't buy their wives nice things with the money. They're so, they, so they're so, they get this uh, obsessive compulsive, you know, uh, regarding money, but they can't even begin to enjoy it. Same thing as religion also. You have to, there's always a balance for certain things. So now, when you look at all these desires in human beings, there is a limit of where something is healthy and where something is not healthy. Now, there's also a limit of what is healthy and what is not healthy. Some things are not healthy at all. But who is going to be the one that tells us, this is healthy, this is not healthy? Now, if you go and you look at science, for example, anybody that's followed through with science throughout the years knows that this is not a good, you can't actually trust them. In fact, I read a recent study, anybody here familiar with, you know, it's in the dietary world, um, red meat. So originally science says, don't eat a lot of red meat, it's not good for you, and blah, 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 a lot of problems. And then, what is it, September, in the end of September, they came out with the study, and now the study, it's like New York Times came out with the whole thing, was supporting with open studies, that said, well, that by the way, all this information that they told you about red meat, 
not really so supportive scientifically. They just kind of said it. It does not really, there's, there's no really basis for it. And in fact, the article goes on and says that it actually reduces the trust that people have in science when people are starting to back, you know, backtrace it. it. All I need to tell you is just like, look at the diets. You know, one diet says, all you eat is like a high protein diet. The other diet says, all you eat is just paper. And the other diet says, all you eat is just like the grass, you know, green leafy vegetables, whatever, things that grow, like you eat what animals, eat. you know, like, and that, everybody has their own thing. And one person says, I lost a thousand pounds with this. I gained a thousand pounds with this. I, this doesn't work for me. So who's right? Who knows? Like, who are you going to trust over here? So when you look at science, like, what are you going to go and you're going to decide? Science is not objective. Science is depending on what they want, what they want to sell. If you have somebody that, you know, owns a juice company, they'll be like, if you just drink liquids, then you will be very unhappy, but you'll be very, very thin. If you drink detergent, you will lose all your weight, you know? Like, next thing you know, people will be like, if you do chemo, just saying... It's a good dietary thing. You know, like if you want to lose that, and people go through all these different, jump through different hoops, but who is the one to trust? Who is the one to be, that, that is correct? Whenever we look at humans that go and tell you, this is what you need to do, there's, we're never being objective. We're, we're just something that, you know, we're, we're subjective. We decide what we want, and then we, this is what we put out. So in order to figure out what is good and what is bad in the human world, we need somebody that is outside the human world. And here is where we talk about someone, some being that is known as Hakadosh Baruch Hu, God. God comes into the picture and says, you know what? Like, we're not sure. Like, how much of this desire is good and how much of this desire is bad? How much of this part is good? And until where it becomes bad. This is where God comes in. And God comes in and God gives us a Torah, sort of like a guidebook, a, a, an instruction manual, if you want to call it that. An instruction manual, God created you. And God said, hey, listen, this is going to be good for you. This is going to be bad for you. This is where the Torah comes in. So the, the Jewish nation, when they left Egypt, they were still in their slave mentality. All of a sudden, God gives them an instruction manual and says, you want to know how to be free? You want to know how to be free from your natural desires and what is good and what is bad? Here is a book that is going to give you instructions on what to do and what not to do. And this is what the, 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 the Torah comes into being. Now, when we look into exile, when we look into to, uh, um, the, the definition of exile, if you look at, actually look this up, the definition of exile, to this, I don't even know where I looked it up, but one of the first things that comes up when you say define exile, I'm assuming it's Webster, right? Miriam Webster, was she Jewish? Watch it be a guy. I don't know. It was a he. There you go. Knew it. Welcome to the 20th century. The definition, definition, it was really a he? His name was Miriam? Uh, Miriam. Oh, Mariam. You know what happens? Because you know how you read? You just read every other word and you just like put things together. His name was Mariam? It's not a girl's name? Alright, so I'm good. Okay, so the definition of, of, of exile is that you are expelled from your, from your native country. Now, when you think about a, person, a personal exile, we have to think of it like this. The more potential that you have and the more that you don't utilize that potential, the more in exile that you are. Does that make sense? The more that you have to offer, the more that you have ability to do, and you cannot do it, the more in exile that you are. So now, our native purpose, our native land, is to do things. And in, in fact, we have 613 things to do. And those called our mitzvot. These are, these are our purpose. And when we can't do it, 
we are in exile in a sense. We cannot fulfill our potential. We cannot fulfill what the reason that we are here for. Now, the way that the really unfortunate, the exile turned into the Jewish people. So we're doctors, we're lawyers, we're accountants, we're other professionals. But really, that's not our purpose. Our purpose is is really for to become, let's call it spiritual developers. Real estate developers, very good, very heavily populated in the Jewish, you know, society. But the real developers, we need to be spiritual developers. And the problem is that we are in exile, and instead of utilizing our potential for the spiritual aspect of things, we use it, we utilize it for the physical aspect of things. Now, that's not wrong. If you have a talent, if you have a um, a liking to something, you should utilize it. And if you can make money on it, as long as it's legal, go for it. You should do it. But you should also utilize that for spiritual growth. You should also utilize it for the spiritual development, the spiritual innovation. We have so much power, so much potential that we don't utilize it because we're in exile and we think this is what we need to do. And we focus our efforts and our, and our days focusing on this world and we forget about the next world. The people that go... And it's very unfortunate to say, you know, like the Torah is outdated. I, I know I'm not speaking to people that actually listen to the classes or are actually in the class. But you look at the conservative and reform. I think with pretty like high percentage of certainty that I have more Christians that listen to my class than um, reform or conservative Jews. Um, which is very, very, uh, you know, interesting um, First of all, why do they listen? I don't know. Uh, but why they don't listen? I also don't know. Like, it, it, it's just like, it's like very, very interesting. But when you think that the Torah is outdated, the Torah needs to be reformed, the Torah needs to be changed, the Torah, needs, the Torah is only meant for like an older generation, then there is, there is no way that you will ever go and utilize your spiritual talents. There's no way that you're going to go and flourish spiritually because you're going to think like there's, there's no point for this. This is all outdated. This is all old. And it's very, very unfortunate that, that you have you know, dealing with, with uh, you know, people, uh, you know, I wasn't planning on, on speaking about this, but this is something that's very important that the public should know. And, uh, you know, people could utilize this for their own internal purposes and reasons. Somebody that goes through a hard time in their life, very, very difficult time, they have to realize that they have potential in that area. Uh, let me give you an example. Let's say somebody went through drug addiction. They went through a very, very severe, you know, you know, situation of drug addiction. They have tremendous amount of potential to go and help others in that, in that sector, in the drug addiction sector. Let's say somebody went through a tremendous amount of abuse. They have tremendous potential in helping people in that sector. Now, people don't utilize this. People go and they move out. I, you, when I speak to people, I usually tell them, by the way, you know, you went through a lot. Do something with it. Like, you could do so much good with it. Instead, what people do is they run away or they, you know, and I can't blame them, you know, like, everyone has their own test in life. But everything that you go through in your life either gives you the potential to do something great or status quo or, of course, you know, fall down. It's up to you to decide what to utilize it. Now, if you think that spiritual, the spiritual realm is whatever, like, let's not deal with that. I have to worry about paying bills. That's what I have to worry about. And, and you don't even think, focus on that. Then you're, you're missing out and you're in a state of exile. You're never going to be able to utilize your true potential. You never, you, you never know why God placed you in this world. And you never know why God placed you in this difficult situation that you're in. And by the way, difficult is all depending on the person. There's somebody that could get abused from the age of one years old to 20 years old like no one's business. And they'll come out the happiest person think they had the greatest upbringing. Then you had somebody else that the mother looked at them the wrong way and be like, abusive, 
can't believe this relationship. It's so abusive. You see how she looks at me? She doesn't buy me this thing, and she doesn't buy me that. She doesn't buy that. But, and, and it can, they, so it all depends on your reality. And it doesn't matter whether you're right or you're wrong. You have that power. Well, it doesn't matter. But I'm saying, but in this aspect, you have the power, the ability to do something in your life with what you are dealt with, or the cards that you are dealt with. Now, when you look at exile, first of all, we have to understand what is the purpose of exile. We're going to get two purposes. Number one, it's very, very obvious, and that is sins. Why are we in exile? It's because of the sins. We did something wrong, so we get kicked out, we get in exile, we get pushed out. Any suffering, the truth is, any suffering that a person goes through, it's because you did something wrong, majority of the reasons. But there's another, there's another reason. The Gemara Psachim, page 87b, goes and says that why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu went and send the Jewish people throughout the entire world? You have Jews throughout the entire, literally throughout the entire world. Why? Very, very interesting thing. Things that you would never even think about. So you want to know what the reason is the Gemara says over there, Rabbi Lezer says, that so we would have Gerim, we have converts come and join us. Because how would you have, let's say, people were living in Israel. How would Germany know about Judaism? How would China know about Judaism? How would India know about Judaism? So what did God do? In order to bring the converts, whoever has an open, you know, it's an open invitation if you want. It's difficult. It's not easy. It's a long process. But if you want, you can, you can go and work on it. But how would you know about Judaism? So God spread the entire Jews in the entire world. The blessing that we have now, blessing slash, 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 slow down. That whenever I combine words together, that means I have to slow down a little bit. I know I'm late. That's why I was trying to hurry up. The blessing and also the curse is the internet, the internet age. You have the people that are able, you're able to reach, you know, parts of the world that no, no Jews have ever entered before. If you, if you ever wonder, you think about it, why all of a sudden before Mashiach comes, we're in the footsteps of Mashiach. Why all of a sudden the internet is coming boom? And not only that, you have people that do not have running water. They do, if they want to go to the bathroom, it's in the woods. They have a well, but they have a smartphone. They have the newest iPhone, and they, ha- they have internet somehow. <laughs> internet came, running water, not yet. You know, like, food, we're starving, but we're able to chat about it on Facebook and Instagram, and we're able to post and tweet and whatever it is that we could do about it. But we don't have, these are things that went. But it's very interesting when you think about it, how far technology has, has went. You have the tribal chiefs in Africa. They're still wearing rags, but they have a smartphone. They have a smartphone holster on the rag. You know, they have so much, the technology has gone so far. The, the ability to go and the knowledge that you have at your fingertips, bad and good, is throughout the world. And you think about it, what's going on before Mashiach? God is giving the world an opportunity. You want Judaism? Here's your chance. Yeah, we didn't have Jews maybe in some far reaches. We, we, Judaism is still available to everybody to a certain extent. So, when, and, and this is really why we're, we're, we're known as a, a light to the nation. We're known as to be a light to the nations, which, which really should make you think about you have to be a good Jew to be a light to the nations. Otherwise, you're maybe a black light to the nation, which is you know, not necessarily a good thing because then they look at all the bad things that, you know, that are happening. But the essence of, of exile you know, has, has dual purposes, the way that we're speaking about. Number one, for the sins that we did. Number two, to also help the people that also want to join the, the Jewish nation. When we look at the exiles throughout the history of the Jewish world, there were many, many, many exiles. But there were four main exiles. Now, when we speak about exiles, exile doesn't mean that you get kicked out of the land. In fact, there were exiles in the Jewish nation, even of the four main exiles, that the Jewish people stayed in the land. They were just ruled by another government, another ruling entity. Uh, two of those exiles, we had, unfortunately, the destruction of the temple. The first and the last exile, we had the destruction of the temple. When we look at the, the four exiles, we have the, um, you know, the Babylonian Babel, 
the Persia, Madai, Greece, Yavan, and Edom, which is Romi. We had these these uh, four exiles. The first exile, and this is where we're beginning to, to utilize this uh, um, this guy, this little little graph over here. Um, so we started off with with Babel. Babel was the first the first exile. Babel was the exile which which led to unfortunate the destruction of the first temple. Then a short while later, you know, Madai, which is Persia overtook Babel, and we were under their rule. Now, during their rule, we, at the end of their rule, we were able to go and rebuild the temple. Then you had Yavan, which was Greece, which was during the, 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 the second temple. And then finally you had Rome, which is Romi, which is, was at the end of the second temple, really the destruction of the second temple to date that we have, uh, you know, that we have now. So, when we look at this, we're going to go through two, two different, hopefully we'll have time for three, but at least two, um, uh, Aspects of, of what these exiles means. These four exiles. What is the purpose? What is the you know what is the essence of it? Why we came over here? What we can learn from it? What we can gain from it? The first one we have to discuss is Yaakov's dream. So in order to understand what happened, ya- Yaakov, uh, he was born second. He wasn't born the firstborn. He went and he he bought the first. He bought the bechorah. He bought the firstborn rights from his brother Esav. Now when his father came to give the blessings, he went and he got the blessings. When Esav heard about this, he was very upset. And to the extent that he said, I'm going to kill my brother. And a lot of people say that in the siblings, but he meant it literally. He was literally had a plan to kill him. So Yaakov ran. And he, and he, and when he, when he was running, he was on the way to Lavan, a few pit stops on the way, but we're not going to speak about that. On the, as he stopped, he fell asleep at a certain place. And this place was called Har HaMoriah. This is a place where the, his father Yitzhak was shechted, was almost shechted, depending on the mythology that you learned. It was almost shechted. And this is the place where uh, King David said that this is where we're going to build the Bet HaMikdash. In fact, that's where the Bet HaMikdash stands, uh, stood, and will stand, Bezalat Hashem. This is, while he was there, he, had a, he fell asleep and he had a dream. And this is a very famous dream. He had a ladder. And in this ladder, there were angels going up and down. Now the Midrash goes and says um, that this the angels represented these four exiles. Babel, Madai, you know, Yavan, and, and Romi. These are the angels that went up. Depending on how many rungs of the ladder the angels went up, that's how many, that's how many years this particular exile was going to last. Now something very interesting, the term goes and brings down that the word Olim Veyodim, which means going up and down, is the numerical value of 428. This is the same numerical value as Bavel, Madai, Yavan, and Romi. The same numerical value as these four, as, as these four, um, exiles. Now, Bavel went up 70 ladder, 70 steps, and then went back down. Madai climbed 52, and then came back down. Yavan climbed 130, and then went back down. Then came Rome. And Rome climbed, and climbed, and climbed, and climbed, and climbed, and didn't come down. And Yaakov was like, what's going on over here? Was this gonna last forever? It was like, we don't know. And in fact, we've been in this exile for over 2,000 years. So how long is this gonna, is it gonna take? And this frightened Yaakov until God reassured him that there's gonna be divine protection. And the last kingdom, which is Rome, is going to eventually fall in the end of days. It's gonna eventually come down. So now, this is, is, is Yaakov's, um, Yaakov's dream. By the way, this is Yaakov's dream. Just so that you understand the, the aspect of prophecy. This was before Rome. Greece, all these nations even existed. This is when God showed him this, uh, you know, this, you know, this, this prophecy, this dream. Now we have another scenario regarding the four, um, the four exiles, and that's Dan- uh, the, the, also the, the, the vision of Daniel. Very interesting. If anybody never heard this, very, very interesting vision that Daniel had. Daniel, if you want to look at it, it's in the seventh chapter of Daniel. 
He had this vision when uh, Belshazzar, which was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar, which is the first exile, was under power. So in his dream, and I'm sorry, in his vision, he saw four winds coming to the sea, and the sea started, you know, like like sort of like uh, like caused a tremendous amount of turmoil, and four beasts came out. Now each beast is associated with a different type of exile. The first one that came out was a lion with eagles with uh, with uh, eagles wings. This represents Babel, Babylon. The the lion represents the power and the wings the you know for the great speed that they had. They were able they were able to unfortunately destroy the first temple, um, which was by Titus the. Well, okay, well, let's not get into that. He, they were able to destroy the first the first temple. The second beast was the Persian exile, which was a beer that came out with three ribs in his mouth. Now the beer is not as strong as the lion. It's also not as as fast as the lion. The the Persians were not as strong and powerful as the Babylonians, even though they were able to take over at at a certain point. They but they did have a power of a beer. Now I don't know. Um, there is something like if you meet a beer in the wild, you don't see a beer in New York. I mean, like real beers, not like human beers, right? You don't you don't go to you, know, you but if you see a beer, what is it? You either play dead or you either make a lot of noise. One of them. I don't know whatever it is that you do. The beers are still extremely, extremely powerful. You don't want to mess with a beer, especially if there are mama if there are baby cubs going around. If there's a mama beer there, you want to stay far away from that situation as as long as you can. You don't want to be like, you know, like this is a good, you know, video oper- photo opportunity. Just stay away from those situations. Beers are really, really strong. Now, I wish I would have done research on this. I think you play dead. I don't know what you do. Uh, I think you play dead because that's what you're going to be in a few minutes when the beer comes to you. Oh, it depends on what type of beer? Okay, fine. I don't know. I'm not a beer specialist. Baruch Hashem. I have um, uh, no time. So, I, whatever. Uh, in any case, um, I remember once when I was a kid, my brother brought home a book, How to Survive in the Wilderness. I grew up in Brooklyn. Like, when, is that, when am I going to be... What's the, wilderness for me is Marine Park. Like, that's the wilderness, right? Like, you're, you know, like, have you ever gone in the path past Marine Park? Be like, wow, I can't even see buildings. I can't even hear traffic. Like, that's like the wilderness. Like, you can get lost in that for like days. And that's like a half hour. Not even. It was a 15 minute walk. Right? Like, for me, that was like, but whatever it is, my brother came home with like this, this like wilderness kit. Like, how to make fire from rocks or whatever it is. Um, uh, you know, how to get saved, dial 911, whatever, like the important things, you know, and how to do with, you know, in, in situation. But in any case, beers do come, it did come into that, into, uh, if I'm mistaken, I remember either that you play dead or you make yourself really big. Um, for all the beer specialists out there, you know, figure out. Maybe it's a grizzly versus a polar beer if you're ever in the polar, you know, or tech, whatever, polar bears, and you know, exist. But in any case, so now, Beers were strong, but they were not as powerful. That's what, what Persia. Persia had also three ribs representing the three rulers that they had. You had Cyrus, Achashverosh, and Darius. So Achashverosh, we all know, that was the one that you know, lived you know, in the Perm story, had 127 prophetesses, and so on and so forth. Darius was a son, come also from Esther. He was the one who also allowed the Jewish people to go and rebuild the second temple. The next beast that came out was a leopard with four heads and four wings. This represents the Greek exile. This also represents specifically Alexander the Great, who actually overtook the, you know, the, the Persian, you know, rule. And the, the reason that he was a leopard, he was ferocious like a leopard. If anybody realizes, you know, Alexander the Great conquered a tremendous amount of land, uh, of, of, of like countries. He died, if I'm not mistaken, by the age of 32. Very, very young. 
Within a period of very, very short period, he was able to conquer a tremendous amount. The the wings is represent the speed that he was able to to you know to conquer the world. The the four heads. He was a leopard with four heads and four wings. The four heads represents his four generals. That after he died, each general, each of his four generals, took another part of the uh, you know of the world under his uh, you know, under his rule. And finally, we come to the fourth exile. The fourth exile is a Roman exile. And this, the Pasuk says something very interesting. It says that the beast that came out is excessively terrifying, awesome, and strong. It had iron teeth and ten horns. Now, why did it have the double nature, of double you know, words of like terrifying and awesome? Meaning that this is referred to one of the hints that it's referring to both Christianity and Islam. This dual aspect of during the last, the final days of fourth exile, where we're going to have Christianity and, and Islam ruling over the Jewish nation. No, just about, just like it had iron teeth and ten horns. It does explain what he did afterwards. It crushed and digested, you know, and you know, you know, things that you know that around that ate and crumbled. Very, very interesting, like graphic details of what it speaks about. But it's very interesting when you plug it in; it fits exactly into Rome. Rome crushed and digested many other nations. Now, when you think about you know Christianity in itself, Christianity also absorbed many other religions. Like first of all, either by force through the Crusades or by saying, "Hey, what do you worship?" The tree? Why don't you come in? Yeah, we'll do the tree too. You know, let's bring that in. What do you, you know, what do you worship? Oh, you know, this thing? You know, not a problem. You draw this, you, you worship this person? Bring this in and we'll worship that also. And in fact, Christianity has, and that's why like Christians that do like a little bit of research be like, well, why are we celebrating Xmas? Why are we celebrating this? Things don't make sense over here and they stop celebrating certain things because Christianity just took like, just like took a bunch of religions and be like, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this, we'll do this. Uh, you know, we'll just take everything and then we'll, you know, just like Oprah, right? We'll just take everything or give everything and then we'll just worship whatever it is that we're worshiping Christianity, but we'll also do your things as well. So that aspect, it's something very, very interesting. How Christianity grew so much, sort of like it, it digested so many other uh, religions and nations as well. Why the ten horns? The ten horns represent the ten, uh, ten different Roman emperors, starting from Julius Caesar all the way to Vespasian, which is where the destruction of the Second Temple, you know, came. Okay, so so far so good. Yeah, whatever. Nod your head. I'm going forward, anyways. Okay, okay, good. So here's what we're going to really focus on 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 this on this graph Excel spreadsheet that I. You know, created, uh, which by the way took a long time to figure out how to put it onto one page. And as you can see, I didn't do a good job in it because I still have plenty of room in this. But in any case, we explain something according to the Maharal, the Maharal of Prague. Something very interesting, and this is where we're going to plug some things together. So the more that you understand this, the more that you stick with me, the better, the more the enjoyment that you're going to have in this. And no one look at your watches, but it's really early. Okay, so now, so. The body contains three primary organs according to Kabbalah. We know that there is the brain, there's a heart, and there's a liver. We spoke about this, you know, this concept before, and we're taking a little bit of a different, different angle. There is also three aspects of the soul. There's five parts of the soul. We'll get a little Kabbalistic today. Three aspects of the soul, um, that are inside the body. Two, as- two aspects of the soul out of the five that are outside the body. The three aspects of the soul that are inside of the body is the, uh, the, you could call it Naran, uh, Nun Reish Nun, which is Neshama, Ruach, and nefesh, backwards. Yeah, I don't know why I said it that way. Right? It's nefesh, wach, neshama, the animalistic soul. So now, each part of the soul resides in a different part of the body. The liver is where the nefesh is. And this is where you can see the, you know, we're going to plug it in all afterwards, but you could sort of like figure out where we're going on that. The liver is, is associated with the nefesh. The ruach is the heart, and the neshama is the intellect. Now, there are three main 
weakening forces in the world regarding to spirituality. These are also known as the three sins that Yaharik ve'al Yavol. You're supposed to die rather than go and commit them. And, we, and those are murder, immorality, and idolatry. Those are things that you're not supposed to go and you're not supposed to, if someone puts a gun to your head and say either commit one of these sins or I'm going to kill you, you're supposed to give up your life in those, in those scenarios. So now, the brain, which is the nishama. This is corresponding to false ideologies, philosophies, and concepts. These are things that, you know, call it, um, you know, idolatry to, you know, to, you know, to a certain, to a certain extent. Then you have the heart. The heart is where the, 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 the seat of temptations lie. And liver is where you have, um, it's where all the blood flows. And if anybody knows anything about the physical body, it's where all the blood you know, go, goes through, and it's where all the desire comes in. And if somebody wants to nullify somebody physically, they, it's, it's, it's associated with removing of the liver, and it's, it's also, uh, this is involved with, with murder. And that's why if you look at the graph that I you know, presented to you, and I hope for the online world to put it up also uh, you know, for you guys in uh, Torah anytime on the bottom over there, you have the first three things that we see over here. The Body parts, the soul part, and the cardinal sin. So you have the liver is associated with the nefesh and associated with murder. The next is the heart, which is associated with the walk, which is associated with their morality. And finally, you have the brain, the nishma, and idolatry. So far, so good. This is where I think I needed you needed this because otherwise, it's hard to understand that whole thing, you know, in in uh, you know by heart. So let's look at each and every single one of the exiles separately. The Babylonian exile, their essence was they wanted to destroy the Jewish people physically. That's what they cared about. They wanted the pe- Jewish people to die. They wanted, and not only that, they wanted to destroy all aspects of physicality of the Jewish people. They went and they went and they destroyed the temple. So the Babylonian exile, this is refer- reference to the murder aspect of, and as you can see in the line over there, it's referred to the murder aspect. They wanted to destroy the Jewish people. Then we go to the next one, which is Persia. Persia, the, the, the sin over there, what was the sin in the, in, you know, during the Persian exile, during the Achashverosh, it was a party. What was the party? The party was forbidden relations. And if we know that Vashti was supposed to leave, you know, co- you know, come out there with, you know, uh, without any clothes. So, like, the, the aspect of it was immorality. And therefore, the Jewish people carried, got carried away with, with, you know, with that type of sin in that type of, in, in that, uh, um, in that exile. And that's what we have over here, the Persian exile, which is associated with the heart, which is associated with the walk, which is associated with immorality. This is associated with the goal of, of the, of Achashverosh to went, go and, and destroy the aspect of Judaism in the immorality aspect, to destroy that aspect in them. So far, so good? Good. Pretending you're saying nodding and saying yes. The third exile was Greece. Greece's focus was the intellect. This is a little bit simpler, a little easier to understand. We know the Greek was Hellenism. It was all about like they were very intellectual. Uh, they were they were more into like their philosophies, their ideas, their understanding of human being and human nature. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to impose their Hellenistic ideas to the Jewish nation. The Jewish nation. Let's put the question aside. The Jewish nation went and had their own philosophies and they had their own ideas. And the the Greek saw this at, the lights understand it right the SOS and whatever it's like, be like you're doing a great job um, if anybody understands it okay so the Greek ideology was threatened by the Jewish ideology because the Jewish ideology was also very intellectual so this is also why the we found you know the one flask of oil the uncontaminated flask of oil the flask of oil that wasn't touched by the Greek this is something that it was the victory of the Torah the wisdom of the Torah over, over Hellenism so now those are the three aspects. So Greek was over the intellectual. Intellectual was over, you know, idolatry. Then you have the Persia, which is immorality, 
which is what the the situation of of the story of Ahas, of and, and and I'm sorry Bashti. And then you had the Babylonian exile, which was murder, which was trying to go and destroy the entire Jewish nation. There's a there's a Mishnah in Pekei Avot. Just leave it. Don't worry about it. Is it distracting people? Okay, just turn off everything. And I was kidding. Um, the there's a Mishnah in Pekei Avot. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Hakinah there are three things that go and remove a person from the world. They remove a person from the world, and if you want to go Kabbalistic, this is actually what causes a person to die, what causes the, the Malach HaMavet to go and take that, that, that hook of a, of a knife that he has and remove the soul. And what are those three things? Hakina, that's envy, jealousy, which results in murder, which is Bavel. And that's Ta'avah, desire, Persia. And that's Kavod, honor, which is related to idolatry, which is related to, related to Greece. So we covered these three things. I know we're going fast because it's late. If you need a review, just read this. It will make a lot of sense if you just review that chart. What about Adam? What's the story with Adam? The exile that we are right now. If we covered the three main things, murder, idolatry, immorality, we covered kinata, avod, we, we covered everything. So what is Rome already over here doing for? What is the Rome exile? What is the fourth exile that we're here right now? Now, when you look at Rome, very good. When you look at Rome, and Rome, we know the rabbis tell us it's not just Rome. Rome is the Western culture, it's Christianity, it, it, it branches out not just to one country, one location, one civilization, it, it branches out to actually the entire you know, Western civilization. And what Rome does is Rome does something very interesting. It combines all the other ideologies, all the other immorality, murder, you know, and uh, idolatry, all into one. They combine everything into one. Now, in order to understand this, let me take you this, on this amazing journey. Uh, if you understand this, you will dance with joy, not here because it's new, but when you get home, you will dance, you'll be like, this is crazy. This, look how everything fits so beautifully. The more that you stick with me, the better that you'll understand it, the more that you'll appreciate it, the more happiness that you'll feel in your ruach, in your neshama, in your, in, you know, it, it, just in your entire being. Now, stick with me for a second. There are four elements. Right? Very basic. Four elements. You know, uh, Rizal brings it down, and Shalak, Kedushal, Rechaim, Vital brings it down. There is fire, water, earth, and air. These are the four, four elements. Let's, tr- let's start plugging this in. Fire is in, re- in, in, re- in reference to, to arrogance. Fire always rises. An arrogant person always, always rises. Not physically, but in his mind, he always, or her mind, always rises. Always have to be right. Always have to be the power that, that, you know, that rules. Can never be wrong. Something, someone that's very arrogant is very related to fire. Fire, if you turn it upside down, it goes up. Arrogance, if you turn someone upside down and you embarrass them, they're still somehow going to figure out a way that they're going to be on top and they're going to be, you know, like where they need, where like, like they rule over you somehow. Now, who ruled over fire? That's Avraham Avinu. What did Avraham Avinu says? We, I, I am but dust and ashes. I am nothing. No arrogance. Avraham Avinu had absolutely no arrogance. What happened to Avraham, Avraham Avinu? That he got thrown into the furnace. He got thrown into fire. Did he get harmed by fire? Absolutely not. Why? Because arrogance, he didn't have any. He didn't have any arrogance. Rab Zera, Rab Zera in the Gemara, which I don't think I put this down over here in the notes, Zera means small. What was Rab Zera? Rab Zera was, was focusing and being extremely humble. Now, how did he test this humility? He would, cl- don't try this at home, please. He would climb into the oven to see if he would get burned by the fire. That's he would be able to see if he would be humble or not. Again, don't try this at home. He was able to do it and he didn't get burned. Alright, just take it at face value. Don't try it. Don't think that you're humble and you're going to do it. Because fire is, the, is arrogance. Humility is the opposite of that. So he was able to overcome fire in that aspect. So fire is arrogance. Water. What is water? Water is represents ta'ava, lust. 
Water makes pleasure things grow. What is water? We have Yosef HaTzadik. Yosef HaTzadik was the one who overcame the Ta'ava, who overcame the desire, overcame the pleasure with the wife of Potiphar. He, what did he do? That he went and she tried to entice him so many times. And he overcame it every single time, nonstop, he overcame it. What happened when the water came and the water was supposed to split for the, split for the Jewish nation? The water said, why should I split? These people worship idolatry and these people worship idolatry. But what he said? Hayam ra'avayanos. The water saw Yosef's coffin. He said, oh Yosef, he goes against Ta'ava. He goes against water, then we could split. So the water all of a sudden split in merit of Yosef, in merit of the bones of Yosef. Then we go to the next thing, which is earth. Earth is, represents depression. Nachumish Gamzu was known to know that Gamzu Tova, everything that happens for the best, he was the happiest person. No matter what happened in his life, he was always happy. We don't have the time to go to explain the story, so I hope that you know it. If you don't know it, Look it up somehow. Um, but the story of Nahumish Gamzu is that he was brought into, he, he, he brought the emperor a pile of dirt. He really brought the emperor a pile of jewels and golden diamonds and everything to the highest level. But an in, well, I guess I'm saying this right now anyways. So the innkeeper went and switched that for a pile of dirt. And what Nahumish Gamzu says? Everything is for the best. Gamzu Tova. What, ha- he, depression? Nothing. Everything's from God. Everything's for the best. So what happened to the dirt? The dirt, you know, Aliyah Navi came and said, told the king, the emperor says, hey listen, this dirt is a very powerful dirt. Throw the dirt and it's gonna turn to arrows, bows, bombs, nuclear weapons, mass destructions. And he went and he took the dirt and he tried it out and he beat his enemies. And he realized Nahumish Gamzu was really, you know, giving him something that's really a gift. So he went and he gave them back, you know, filled with chests full of gold, diamonds, and, and jewels. So what did Nahumish Gamzu? Nahumish Gamzu went and he overcame depression because he went and said everything's for the best. How do you overcome depression? Knowing Emunah. Knowing that everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch So this is what Nahumish Gamzu went through. And Nahumish Gamzu went and he overcame the, depre- the, 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 the earth which is, represents depression. Now we're left with ear. Ear really represents Lashon something that lacks substance, like nothing. You have people that sit and talk for hours and hours and hours about what? Nada. Absolutely nothing. They speak about what this celebrity did. They speak about who this celebrity was cheating on, who this celebrity was going, and what this celebrity bought, how much money this person lost, the neighbor, he now he's broke, now he went bankrupt. Did you hear about this? Did you hear about that? Nothing. Just nonsense, nonsense, nonsense. Ear is something that lacks substance. So now, let us go and plug this all in together. Bavel. Now you can go and look into the four elements and look at where it plugs in. Bavel represents fire, pride, murder. What do they want to do? They want to destroy every single Jew. They wanted to murder every single Jew. Their color, we're not going to, we don't have time, but let's look at the bottom, um, look at the bottom four. It's, we'll get to the flags as well. But we'll, the, 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 Element of Bavel is fire, which is red, which is also the, the you know the element the metal of gold. Which not, we're not going to get into the, the metals too much. We don't have the time. But Persia, let's go to the next one. That presents water. That presents desire. That presents the color white. Greece, which represents ear. Ear represents lack lack of substance. We'll explain all this bizarre Hashem. Um, actually, will we explain this? Yeah, we will explain this. Okay, so um, ear, Greece represents ear. And just to understand like where it goes to, we said that Greece represents the metal copper. What happens when ear touches copper and it oxidizes? What color does it turn? Anybody know? Green. 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 Very good. Look at the color of look at the color of of, uh, of Greece that it turns that you know that it turns into green. Edom, which is we represents earth, which represents depression associated with earth. But something very interesting, something crazy interesting that I read. What is the the Roman Republic flag? 
Red, white, and green. Look at the three previous colors. They take the red, white, and green color five because we said they combine all of the previous ones into them. They do the, subconsciously. It's like, like all the angels and the power that they represents goes on. You know, goes on. But let's stop that for a second. Hold that off for a second. But let's see what depression is. Depression is someone that looks at what someone's missing. Not what you have. Depression is you don't appreciate what you have. You want to get rid of depression? Focus on a karatatov. Focus on what you have. But if you don't focus on what you have, you focus only on the black, only on the things that you don't have, that is what depression comes into. Okay, still extremely early. Don't look at your clocks. Okay, so now let's finish off with this concept. Avraham and the four exiles. Let's finish off with Avraham. The Brit Ben Habsarim. The Brit Habsarim, if you want to look at it, Bereshit chapter 15. Um, there's something very interesting what what happened? That Abraham took animals. What animals? He took three cows, three goats, three rams, a turtle dove, and a young bird. And what the Pasuk says, and by the way, this is, what did we say? Chapter uh, 15, verse 9 and verse 10, if you want to look it up. And what did he do with these animals? He took and he divided each of these animals, but he did not divide the birds. This explains the Maharal, something beautiful. It says, what happened? what's going on over here? If I'm not saying, I think it's the Maharal. It says, each animal represents a different exile. The cows represent Babylon. The goats, did I write this down? Yeah. yeah. The goats represent Persia. The rams represent Greece, and the birds represent Rome. Now, Babylon, what was their understanding? Murder, power, survival of the fittest. Whoever is the strongest, that's who's going to survive. Why did Abraham cut those in half, the, the cows in half? Because there's two sides to every argument. Yes, you're right, survival of the fittest. But what, is that only thing that you could understand about power? About strength? What does it say about strength in Pirkei Avot? It says, Who is someone who's strong? Who is someone who's powerful, who overcomes his desire? So you want to know what somebody who is powerful? What does Babylon say? Destroy, kill, murder other people. What do the Jewish people say? No, that's not how you understand it. You know how you understand it? You understand it by going and, going and overcoming your own desire. You want to be strong? You want to be powerful? You want to be mighty? Overcome your own desire. That is where power lies. That where power goes in. So Abraham divided it, saying, hey, hey, you will think this is what power is? This is what I think I, power is. There's two ways to look at a power. Let's look at, at, let's look at Persia. Persia, what did Persia say? It's all about beauty. It's all about the, 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 you know, the human body. It's all about pleasure. And that's what they focus on. And the Torah says, yes, beauty, power, pleasure, all these things are very, very important. But is that the goal? Is that the focus? Or rather, with something very interesting with the Judaism as a religion versus any other religion. Judaism as a religion says, yeah, there are so many things that you could utilize and it's kosher if you do it correctly. If you don't do it correctly, it's wrong. But if you utilize the power, the beauty, the, the, you know, the essence of human being, power, you know, for the correct, then it's good. You look at Christianity. Christianity says you're not allowed to go and you're not allowed to get married. You're not, you're, you know, the priests, whatever, not the, the priests, the holy people, don't get married. Islam, don't drink wine. The Jewish people says everything is okay. How do we start off? What is your exile? How do you know what is allowed and what is not allowed? The Torah says, you know what is allowed? You're allowed to get married. In fact, Torah says you're allowed to get married to more than one wife. But the rabbis told us it's too much, you know, you're not supposed to. Rachel Rabbeinu Gershon. But then the Torah says, what about wine? Wine is allowed. You're supposed to have a make kiddush in wine. You're supposed to do certain things wine. But if there's a limit, when? In there's certain times of the year, well, maybe not. Maybe that you go a little bit above the limit, Pauline. But there's always a guideline. There's always a texture of when you're supposed to do and how much you're supposed to do. That is the Torah. The Torah is trying to get you out of your exile. The world puts you into an exile. So the goes, the, the, the Persian exile goes, says, you know, you have to focus on beauty. The Torah says, yeah, beauty is important. But where? And how and when? 
There's a certain time. Beauty is important for the wife, for the you know, for the husband. Where it is supposed to be. A woman is supposed to get dressed for the you know for the husband, not for the people outside. There is a time and place for everything. There is an importance for everything, but we have to look into Torah when to go and when to focus on it. Let's look at Greece. Greece focused on the intellect. What was the intellect? The intellect is so important. The philosophies, the understanding of human beings, the understanding of human life. That is what is important, which is true. It's very, very important. And what is it utilized with the oil? There's something very interesting with oil, especially olive oil. Olive oil could used be for two things. For lighting or for tasting, for salad mixes, for, I don't know, for, for drinking, for eating. There's so many different things that you can utilize to eat it. You know what the Greeks said? The Greeks said, utilize the oil, the power, the, the, you know, the power of wisdom for yourself. Ultimately, what is wisdom for? For you, to figure out what you want in your life, the desires that you want, and that's what you're supposed to do. So what are you supposed to do with oil? Drink it, eat it, taste it, enjoy it. But who can taste, enjoy, and eat oil? Only you. What did Judaism say? What is the miracle of Hanukkah? No, it's not about you. Light it. Light it. Focus on other people. When you light the menorah, plenty of other people can appreciate the light. Plenty of other people can go in and enjoy that light. We focus the, the, the beauty of, of intellectualism, the beauty of the power that we have of understanding human, human intellect and, and what our desires and what our physical nature is and what our emotional, physical, intellectual desires are. We focus on helping others. We focus on helping other people. That's why we light the menorah. We like to do that. And that's why the, the, Greek, the Greek philosophy was contaminated it. To a certain extent, it contaminated our days. Only for me. Only I have to utilize it. This is important for me. I have talents. I have things that I could utilize in my exile. Let me make money. Let me become a doctor. Let me become a lawyer. Let me become an accountant. And good, you should and you could become whatever it is that you want to. But what about helping others? You know what the Torah tells you? Go and help other people. Go in and, and light the world. Be a light to the nation. Light the candle and help other people. Utilize your power, your intellect, your talents for other people. Get out of your exile. Go into the aspect of where you really belong in life. And how do you know where you belong in life? You look in the Torah. Let's look at the, <coughs> at the aspect of what Avraham did. Avraham went and he cut every single animal except for the birds. He divided. Look at the list. He divided the cows. He divided the goats. He divided the rams. But something very interesting. The birds, he did not divide. Now the question is, why did Avraham not divide the birds as well? The answer is, is that when you go into the final exile, which is Rome, which is Edom, which is the exile that we are in right now, and you go... And you, and you try to figure out, what are they focusing on? And you realize you can't. Think about it. Adam, Rome, America, like the Western civilization, they focus on everything. Murder, they focus in a certain aspect. They focus on immorality. They, they, they focus on all aspects. They focus on idolatry, on all aspects, depending what suits them. Now I'm in the mood of immorality, so I'll do this. Now I'm in the mood of murder, because Congress says I'm allowed to go to war and I'm allowed to kill these people. Oh, Congress says that this is allowed, there's not... Medical doctor says it's very, very important to go and do these certain types of sins. It's healthy for you. It's immoral. It's, it, it technically it's more immorality, but this is considered this is considered normal. So what is what is uh, you know the 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 exile of, of of Rome go? They switch their faces every single time. They want to do this, so they say this is important. They want to do this, and they say this is important. They want to do this, and say this is important. To the extent that what do they go? How far they go? That even religion they say that they are right in. Christianity, they say they're the true Jews. The chutzpah that they have, the audacity that they have to say that originally what, even JC, their savior, their, you know, their, was Jewish. And they go and they say, yeah, we're right. We're correct, everything changed. Even though he didn't follow the Torah. Even though he was a sinner, he was a, he, he, tremendous, look at the Gemara, what the Gemara says, where he ended up in. 
and the effect that he ended on, the level that he went to in Gehenom. And yet they still, why? Because they think that they're always right. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, they're changing faces. I'm going to decide what I want to do. You go and you tell them, hey, by the way, your economic system is wrong. They'll be like, yeah, you're right. You tell them your educational system is wrong. The American educational system, now again, I don't know if I could say this because I grew up in the American educational system, but it's one of the lowest in the world. To the extent that if you would be, I don't know if it still exists, but there was once a show called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Is this still a thing? It still exists? Even, really? I'm, I'm, that's crazy. Who wants to be a millionaire? The questions that they ask, the four-year-old Hans in Holland knows the answers. America is like, oh, like to phone a friend? I have a, I have a, I have a preschooler in Holland that knows all these answers. We don't know anything. We literally, the, if you ever spoke to anybody in Europe, they know more about American history than we do. They, it's, it's crazy. And I'm saying this about myself. I mean, you know, like, you go, like, you know, we never learned geography. You go and tell me where Denver is. I'm like, I know it's cold there. I think it's colder, right? It's pretty cold there. I'm like, like I'm like oh, where is it? You know, like, you go to ask someone in Holland. If you go and you just put, go to an American high school, forget about elementary school, with the, one of those world maps without any um, names, where's Holland? I don't know, near Amsterdam? I don't know, you know where it is. I think there's rivers there or something. Like, we don't know anything. Like, that's where the educational system is bad. We go to America, your educational system is bad. You're right. Your economic system is bad. You're right. Your healthcare system is bad. You're right. But what do we do about it? Nothing. We say we're going to do something about it, but what do we do about it? Nothing. That's what happens. Because, well, we know we have to change things. And by we, I mean America. So not really we. They, right? Because we're Jews, right? We're, we're, we're temporary residents in another, you know, country. And we're very grateful for the, you know, religious freedom that we have in it. But in essence of it, you think about it. You know you're doing something wrong. You know that, why are you not changing? Because we know. But we're not interested in changing. We like the way that we are right now. We're very happy the way that we are. We're right. You're right. They're right. We're all right. Who cares? Let's just play the stock market. You know, let's just figure things out. You know, like, you know, like we'll speak about something about student debt or something else, like, you know, like that, and we'll focus on anything like that. You look at, you know, Bavel. Bavel was about dominance, it was about murder. Okay, fine. So that we're able to discredit. Maybe this is not good. And then what happens with America? We switch faces. Rome, Edom. We go Persian lust. You know, the lust in the, you know, the Persian. I would say, this is okay, this is okay, there's nothing wrong, this is legal in this state. Maybe it's not legal in that, but it's legal in this state. This is legal for any teenager, this is legal for any of this, and we completely decide what we decide we want, and then we make that the law. And we go with Greek intellectualism. You look at something very, very interesting, that nowadays, in the Western world, Atheism is making such a crazy high, you know, like, I can't say comeback, but it's making such a high, like, power, like, atheism. I had plenty of debates with atheists, plenty of, more than I want to. And it's something very interesting that I noticed. When somebody claims to be an atheist, usually they're an ignoramus. They don't know anything about anything. They don't know about atheism. They don't know about agnosticism. They don't know about religion. They don't know about anything, which is great I love it because it's very easy to go and to very simply go and enlighten them and say, show them this is what atheism is, this is what agnosticism is, and this is what Judaism is. And then they make sense. But then you have certain atheists that no matter, you could give them the, the craziest proof. The proof that they will even tell you, you're right. I have no, fe- I, I can't do that. But then they'll go, the but. And then they'll go, but 
Oh, how do you answer this? You know, like, how could there be a God? Whatever it is. You know, like, they go and they go, blah, 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 all nonsense and vomit that comes out of their mouth. Right? They go and they, ex- they explain, you know, all these things that come out. And be like, but wait a minute. So you don't, maybe you have questions, but I just proved to you without a doubt that there, can't, there must be a God. Why all of a sudden you're going to another question? Another situation. Why don't you associate? You know what they tell you? You're right about this. But what about this? They're like, wait a minute. What? Let's deal with the elephant in the room. Like, deal with the elephant in the room. The elephant just told you that there is a God. Why are you going and saying there's no God? Because like, they're not interested. They keep on changing their faces. Just like Edom, just like Gulam, is not interested in finding the truth. It's not interested in telling you, yeah, you're right. This is what it is. They want to do what they want to do. I want to live my life as a free life. I don't want religion. I don't want the Torah. Why? I just don't want to live my life with guilt-free. So you could convince them from today to tomorrow. And by the way, you should. You, but at the end of it, because you never know who's going to switch and who's going to change. But you could convince them from today to tomorrow. And some people will be like, you know what? They'll honest with themselves and be like, you know, that's true. And they'll change. And some people will be like, no, it doesn't make sense. And there's a blah, 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 blah. They will go because they are not searching for the truth. They're going to keep on changing the faces. And that is the exile that we are in today. The exile that we're in today is the exile of Rome. You know, want to know why Avraham Avinu did not divide the, you know, the, the birds? The birds, what is the birds? The birds, you know what it says? The birds, the, the, the terminology, and I wrote it inside, the gozel. That's how they use the terminology, the gozel. Anybody knows Hebrew knows gozel means thief, stealing. You know why? Because they steal from this, they steal from that, they steal from this. They don't care. They don't have something personal. They don't have their own ideology. They take from everybody else and they make it their own. How do most atheists become atheists today? They listen to other atheists and they give their same, their same arguments to me. How do I know that? Because I listen to those atheists. I read what those atheists say. And you should not do that. I only have to do it because of the situation that I am in and the people that I deal with. But when people go and they explain to me the tactics that they use and they be like, hey, I don't believe in God because X, Y, Z. I'll be like, oh, so you read this blog. Let's so say you did this. So, okay, very smart. What about your own? Can you think for yourself for a second? You're all about like intellectual, you know, like question everything. Why don't you question that? Why don't you question where he got the information or she got the information? You want to know why? Because they don't care. They steal from every other religion, every other idea, every other ideology because they want one thing and that's their ideology. They want their, uh, their, their comfort to do whatever it is that they want and no matter what you say, they're going to change. You want to know why Avraham didn't go and divide the, the birds? What is he going to divide? What is their ideology? They don't have a ideology. Divide this, you go figure it out. That. You divide that, you go figure it out. That. You divide this, you're going to go something back to the beginning. There was nothing to divide. So Abraham did not divide the gazelle, the birds. Why? Because they're all stealing. They all care about other, 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 other ideologies. That's what Christianity, you look at Christianity, there's nothing Christianity original about it. They took from the Judaism, they took from other pagan cults, share cult, you know, tremendous amount of cults that they took and they put into it. If you go and you think about it, they took nothing from themselves because they stole everything. They're gazelle, they steal and they make their own ideology to make what they want. That's why Abraham didn't go and didn't, it didn't change anything. Let's do a one quick recap. We'll look over this spreadsheet that we have. Huh? It helped? Okay, good. Thank you. So we look at it. We started off with Bavel. We'll go straight down the line. Bavel represents the liver. Why? Because it represents nefesh because they wanted to go and they murder. What was their focus in Judaism? They wanted to go and destroy the Jewish people physically. They would destroy the Beit HaMikdash physically. They didn't care about anything else. They didn't care about their ideology. They didn't care about making the Jew destroy them in the next world. They care about this world. Where does it stem from? The stem from the kinah, the jealousy, the envy that they had. And where does that come from? It comes from arrogance. Arrogance comes from fire. And we look for the tanya. The next thing comes from arrogance. What's arrogance? That's red. That's fire. And that 
represents the, the, the power of gold, but that also represents where Avraham goes and Avraham went and Avraham divided. This is the cows. Avraham divided. Why? Because there's always this way that you could switch power. Power you could use for the good and power you could use for the bad. Let's look at the next column, Persia. Persia represents the heart. Which is ruach, which is immorality. They wanted and they went and they made a, a, a party to be immoral. What was the focus? The focus was that Ahasuerus wanted the people to sin. In what aspect? Look at the next line, the That's the ta'ava. They wanted to go to a desire. This represents water. Why water? Go to the next thing, because water makes pleasure things grow. What is, what color this is? This is white. Obviously the color of water. This is silver, which we didn't speak about it, but We'll leave it for maybe for a different time. And this represents the goat because there's always things that you could, and this was divided. There's always things that you could figure out. Desire, immorality can be good, be used for the good and can be used for the bad. Let's look at the next one, Greece. Greece was focusing on the brain, intellectualism, the Shama, where the, where the Shama resides. That's ideology. That's thinking about things that you're not supposed to be thinking about. The Greek, what was the Greek wisdom? The Greek wisdom was going to go and penetrate the ideology. That's where they focus on the oil. They focus on, no, let's take, let's go and use it for ourselves. Let's taste it. The Jewish people says, no, no, no. We found one one. Let's lighten it. Let's show that, let's be a light to the nation. Let's be a ola gohim. What was the focus on this? They wanted everything for themselves. That's the anol, that's the honor, that's the kavod. What was their, what was their essence of everything? That's ear, of the element of ear. All they cared about is what? Is just nonsense. They just were making, they're just talking and talking and talking, ear nonsense stuff. Ear is, is, is servility, things that lack substance. This represents the color of green. We spoke about the color of green, what happens to copper when it, when it oxidizes with ear, which is what it's associated with, is, returns into the color of green. Uh, but this is also, was in the rams of Avraham Avinu that was divided. Why was it divided? Because this is something you could say, wisdom can be used for the good, wisdom can be used for the bad. How are you going to go and do it? Let's look at the final exile, which is Edom, which is where we are. Edom went and took a combination of everything. They didn't have anything original. They took a combination of everything. The, 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 the power, the, you know, the, the desire, the temptations that we have nowadays comes from all angles. We can never be too ready for it. It could come from murder. It could come from immorality. It could come from, it could come from avodah zarah. It come from any angle. You have to be ready at every angle. Where is this element? This is the element of earth. There's something very interesting. You ever wonder why nowadays we have depression as a, as, as a epidemic of a disease? An epidemic of a disease. Depression now. Why? Because all we focus is what we don't have. We don't focus on what we have. This is something I've done. We're always focusing on something else. Something that the other person has and we focus on that. What is the color? The color is black. Even the color is black, the color is also the color of the, look at the Roman Republic flag. Look it up online when you get home. The Roman Republic flag is red, white, and green. Crazy. All the other previous exiles together. You know what? Look it up now. I couldn't care less. Take out your phones. Look it up now. It's something so crazy. So you'll see that the Roman Republic flag. Um, this represents the metal of iron, but why was this not changed by, by Avraham Avinu? Why was this not changed? Because there's nothing to change. You cannot go and argue with someone who doesn't want to be argued with. You cannot argue with somebody who says, this is right, this is right, and he says, oh no, this is wrong, okay fine, then this is right, this is right. He's keep on changing his tactic, keep on changing his ideas. This is why we don't change it. So now the question that we have, the final question that we have, how do we fight Rome? How do we fight the exile that we have? And the answer is, come next week and we'll explain that. Okay. Any questions? For real, we don't have no time there. How over I am now? I am blula over. There we go. Show that to everybody. <laughs> there we go. That's a Roman bugbear. Any questions? No questions? Okay. Questions. Greece was more intellectualism, Hellenism. Greece's focus was trying to get the intellectual. You look at Aristotle, Plato. They were into the body as well, but they brought it from an intellectual aspect of it. Okay. Can I bother somebody for setting it off? Okay. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.